I'm not saying Shenmue is the worst game I've ever played, but it's up there. It is a time capsule. It's a time-wasting capsule. To an era where certain things were more revolutionary than they perhaps are today, and I don't necessarily think that it's a fun game to go back to. I mean, I started that off facetiously because the reaction to me saying that Shenmue's a dreadful experience, which I do fully believe, has been so overwrought and over the top. It's now in that Breath of the Wild column where I'm like, okay, this sets people off and it makes them behave absurdly, so I'm going to use that one. That's in the bank now. Here's what I'll say about Shenmue is like, I I compare it to something like Majora's Mask. That only had a three-day cycle, and in that three days, like, ah, people, like, are actually walking around doing things. You have to pay attention to where people are. There's a reason to have you wait around for stuff. You can argue that there's a reason design-wise for that. Shenmue has no reason for making you wait around other than to make you wait around. Yeah, that's the problem. Like, a lot of people say, well, it was of its time and it was revolutionary. And sure, it was revolutionary. Um, I'm sure... You know, age has not been kind to it, and that's a big part of the issue. Is that really... Does it really make you wait? Yeah, yeah. Like, you literally have to just fuck around and wait? Yeah. Can you do stuff to pass the time, or...? You can, but it's not worth doing. You can buy Gashapon toys, and you can go in the arcade to play old games. You know, I think I mentioned this last week, where someone was like, well, you, you should be going in the arcade, you should be playing Space Harrier to pass the time. And I'm like, well, I'd put Space Harrier on if I wanted to play Space Harrier. I don't need Shenmue to play Space Harrier, mate. You, you don't want to waste your time by, like, looking at, like, 3D models of little toys. Or if you do if you do want to play a retro game in a new game, that should always be kind of optional. Well, yeah. I suppose not really Shenmue isn't a new game, is it? Like you said, time craps you. You get a handful of things to do that get very boring very quickly. Most people say you should spend the time training, which is just fighting nothing in a parking lot. Every now and then you get an opportunity to spar with another character, but otherwise you're just pressing buttons. It's like you get a fighting game and you go into practice mode, except this is a necessary part of the game to not be fucking bored. I don't know how people played it in 99 without Twitter, because that's I just dicked around on my phone. Yeah, with without second screen experiences, how are you passing that time? A lot of people say, oh, well, you're just being harsh because, you know, it was a lot more fun back in the day. People forget how I approach games. I'm often harsher if something throws a tech demo or a gimmick in front of being a good fucking game and disrespects my time. I'd have probably been harsher in 99. There's no excuse for it. For its time, it is unforgivable in how it wastes people's fucking time. And if you like that, fine. Go play it. Have fun. But, you know... I mean, I usually say, like I said to the No Man's Sky people when they got upset, like all the fans of that, like normally I say, well, if you love the game so much, why are you on Twitter all day complaining to me about it? Just go play it. The trouble is with Shenmue is there's nothing else to do, so they might as well be online complaining while they're waiting for the tattoo parlor to open so they can have one cutscene and then get told to come back tomorrow and waste another 24 fucking hours. Fucking piece of shit. I'm just truly, truly shocked that the internet is angry with Jim. <gasps> This never happens. Jim always has the most popular opinions. <laughs> fucking... Uh, fucking video games, right? Yeah, they're horrible. They should all be burned in a big dumpster. Yeah. How, how did last week go? I wasn't around last week. I, I've not listened back. How, how, how'd you all do last week? You have a good You have a good week? It was good. It was low-key. Yeah, it was nice. I had a nice little relax. It was a bit meandery, but it was nice. You know what got me there herding the cats? Though. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because normally, this is the most focused podcast in the world. Uh, hello, by the way, welcome to Podquisition. I'm Jim Sterling, I'm joined by Laura and Gavin. Uh, two weeks ago, I didn't even introduce us at all. No, that's fine, they know who we are, they're here for us. Why else would they be here 197 episodes in? <laughs> yeah, you should know who we are by now, and if you're new, catch up, bone up. Yeah. We are the most iconic trio. Damn right. Yeah, we, 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 we go back to episode one, find out who we are if you don't know by now. We are more iconic than the Kardashians. Oh, by far. We are more iconic than Aiden's hat. Oh no, nothing is more iconic than Aiden's hat. That's true. It was such an iconic hat. We are the most iconic outside of anything Ubisoft's ever made. Yeah. Because of course they are, they is the most iconic one on it. So we gotta, gotta steer clear of their turf. So Jim, would you... 
Would you rather play Shenmue for three hours or have to do Batmobile missions for three hours? Mobile. Um, I've got an answer for this. I'd rather do the Batmobile missions because at least I, there's actually some gameplay for me to do there. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if I'm not allowed my phone, then I would go with the Batman stuff just because I've got a low tolerance for fucking boredom. Yeah. At least I could be angry at that rather than just staring there. Like, letting the demons come into my head again because there's nothing to distract me. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I had to use a phone while playing a game. I think it was in the, the console version of New Vegas. The loading screens would take, like, 40 seconds to a minute at times. Uh, yeah. So a phone was always handy for that. Yeah. Uh, I played I played way too many video games last week. You were at the Gamescom. I went to the Gamescom. I had some currywurst. That was good. And I saw so many video games, I felt like my brain was going to fucking melt. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking video games. I looked at the queues to get into Gamescom, because I saw you and I said this on the podcast last week. I saw you and Dan Bull tweeting and I got all jealous. I was like, oh, I want to be at Gamescom. But then, then I saw the queues to get in and I was like, fuck that. This is the first time I've done Gamescom and Gamescom is one of the few events that is really useful for actually getting work done yeah in that there is the public area with the show floor the very e3 looking thing where people queue up to play games and there's like three quarters of a million people there and there's stories that ultimately turned out not to be true but sounded very believable about some kid taking a shit in a brown paper bag while waiting to play Fortnite. oh god that story that floated around yeah uh it's it's that kind of place however they have the business area and if you're there as press you get to just go do 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 into the business area where it's basically just here's some like actual meetings and people that you can talk to for for interviews and it's all quiet and you're away from the crowds it's a lovely area and that's also where you get to see the cd project stuff yes i did so did have you seen the the video yet Gap. Oh god, I, I I I saw that I nearly came in my pants when I saw it. I've watched it about four times. <laughs> so for anyone who's not caught it, Cyberpunk 2077 uh has has like a 50-ish minute gameplay video up now. Um I will say, because I have to say this every time I bring this game up, kinda shitty the tweets they did with the uh did you assume my gender stuff, and I'm cautiously like, let's see how they do with the actual game. But I got to see that, that basically that 50 minutes or so that was shown off. I got to be in a room with a man with a controller who was playing it and tell him what to do and he did things. That's a video game that really exists and it looks fucking amazing. And and were the things you asked him to do like, um, like I remember we went to see a Witcher 3 one in Gamescom back before it was released to the public and there were, they said it beforehand, there might be a few bugs and stuff. Did they did did they say the same thing and like? Yeah, uh, we we had one minor bug uh, during the point where like the 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 cybernetic eye implant is being put in. Oh yeah. Uh, the screen cut out for about three seconds and went black and then came back on and that wasn't meant to have happened. We got an apology for that. They should have just gone. Oh yeah, that, that was what happens when when you replace your eyeball. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just what happens when they're, they're yeah when you're replacing your eyeball. Um, but like it it looks remarkably polished and like the thing that that caught me off guard about it like obviously no idea if this is representative of the full game obviously talking about something that's a long ways off but my god that was a content dense open world yeah. like that was the thing that struck me about it is it is just so dense with content it's kind of a little bit overwhelming um the the demo they showed to the public right that focused mainly on a couple of missions were there, if you had taken the controller and wandered around the city, could you have found side missions at this point of development? So, uh, I, I do not know. They, they have said, and I'm going purely off of what someone has told me here and not anything I've seen, that apparently the game is playable start to finish in one form or another. It doesn't look pretty, but you could play through it all. Okay. So, take that for what it's <sighs> worth. My fucking hype. <laughs> I didn't get around to watching it, like the the demo. I'm I'm looking at it right now on my phone. And it, it looks fucking amazing, doesn't it? Don't do that, Jim. Sit sit down and watch it with headphones on. I just wanted to have a quick look. I'm not going to watch the whole thing, but I wanted a quick look. I would say like skip 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 like 20 minutes in because the opening is like okay, this is a first person shooter. This is a first person shooter. Eh, there's a little bit of neon. Yeah, I'm skimming through it. It's it's when they walk out into the open world and it's like. 
oh, I see why people got hyped about this. Yeah, I've been skimming through. It looks, it looks the business, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, all I all I can add from having been at Gamescom is, yep, that was a video game that someone was controlling that did function. And everything about it is so stylish, like from the the way the the cutscenes change with the they they are part of the action and. The music, the music was so good. My mate Marson is making the music and it was so fucking good. Well done. <laughs> it was like that scene where, you know, Laura, when they go into the factory place and they're like uh, trying to do the deal. Yes. Yeah. And it's getting really tense. That was so, and that, that scene shows you why uh, doing it in first person had to be done. Because of how amazingly tense that scene was. I, I can understand that. Uh, one thing that I don't remember if got shown off in the uh, the video they put up. You can drive the car in third person, which I'm very thankful for. Because I hate first person car driving. Oh god, yes. Yeah. They showed both. Yeah, they showed both. I fucking hate that sh Oh yeah, I'm seeing that now. I can see the car. The interior of the car is so cool. It's got that real 80s kiss night night rider <laughs> oh it looks gorgeous but i cannot drive that car that way though so i'm glad that th it's the one thing i'm like okay let me third person the car and i'll be fine this is the kind of footage that makes me like not trust it except it's cd project red so i'm not expecting them to do a gearbox on this 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 is the thing is if it wasn't cd project i wouldn't have trusted this yeah but i'm like there's there was a good you, you were doing things with a controller and your cd project red yeah wow Wow. Yeah. If this was Ubisoft, I'd be like, these trailers are going to get progressively not as good looking as this as it goes on. This game's in development nearly six years, uh. you know, and like I was looking back at the Cyberpunk song I did. It was February 5th, 2013. And that was just after the first trailer dropped. So like, what's that, nearly six years now? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, fucking hell. That's been a while, hasn't it? I remember the announcement, yeah. I think I think it was going to be amazing. I mean, just that, that gameplay looked like next gen, you know? It does, and as, as of this week, they are still saying that it is targeting PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah. They've not yet done the thing of, nope, this is a next-gen game, so... I, I don't mean visually. It didn't... I mean, visually it looked really good, but it I felt like, yeah, that's something you could run on a PS4 Pro. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I guess so, yeah. It, it certainly looks... It looks like it's fulfilling the promise of what this generation was meant to give us. Mechanically, I mean, it, it, it feels next-gen. Yeah. It feels advanced. I'm I'm wondering if we've reached this gen's point of like The Last of Us and stuff like that. Like, is this the point where we've worked out what we can do with the hardware? We're about due. We're we're due that. So how how long has this gen been so far? Been like what four or five years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was just starting as the reviews editor for The Escapist. So yeah, that would have been a while. Well, we've been doing this podcast almost four years. Yeah, and I'm sure the PS4 predates that. Because I think I went Patreon in like 2014, and I was at The Escapist for like maybe a year before then. So yeah, it it's been about five five ish years. November fifteenth, two thousand thirteen, the PlayStation Four launched. There we go. Yeah, so about about five years already. Yeah, this this generation has flown by. How long was the three sixty gen? It was about seven years, was it? That was a particularly long one. Yeah. Yeah. It was a particularly good one as well. Well, at least it felt long. People kept saying it felt long. Is there a way to play Red Dead Redemption on PS Four? I don't know. Bloody FedEx truck go past! Sorry, I've I've been told, I've been told that I'm uh, getting my grimy mitts on Spider-Man this week. Oh, nice! And I'm just staring out the window or staring at my inbox because I don't know if it's physical or code. And to be honest, I'm still expecting to not get it because I'm cynical. I'm also supposed to be getting it, but I have my doubts. Yeah, so I'm like. I'm on edge because it. I think it's by far the game I'm looking forward to now this year. Um, it's the one I've got the highest hopes for. I try not to get hyped up for things, but I'm a bugger for Spider-Man. Um, and you know me and comic book villains, and he's, he's got some of the best ones. So, yeah, hopefully I get that this week. Um, any time before launch would be good. It, it looks really fun, that one. Yeah. Um, but the FedEx truck went on by, so this this is all a moot point. Back to Cyberpunk! Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk. <laughs> Made the entire gaming community spunk. <laughs> yeah. 
I have very little else to, to add about Cyberpunk. Uh, should I just rattle you through a couple of the things I saw at Gamescom? Because there's a couple of things I actually got to touch for myself. Yeah, please do. Yeah, go on. Best indie game I saw at that show is called Supermarket Shriek. <laughs> I love the name! <laughs> you play a man and a goat in a runaway shopping trolley. What? Uh, running down a British high street. And you turn the shopping trolley to not crash into things by making the man and the goat scream. <laughs> uh, so so you can play this just with a controller, like, you know, doing your analogs, your, your triggers to make it scream and turn either direction. Or you can plug in a couple of USB microphones and scream at the video game to make the, the shopping trolley, like, go around the, sh the supermarket. And it's amazing. <laughs> oh, for the love of that... I mean, that's just, that's a game saying, please make YouTube videos and Twitch streams about us. But the concept is fantastic at eight, like, still. Oh my god, no, yeah. It's it's gonna blow up on YouTube, but like, it's it's just really fun. It's got a really good sense of humour for like, British yeah. uh, high streets and stuff like that. It sounds like it was, was like, specifically designed for Markiplier type uh, YouTubers. I was just thinking, <laughs> like, yeah, they're actually gonna scream for a reason for once. <laughs> you, you know what, what though, is, is better Better than, than watching a Markiplier or someone play it. Watching the awkward look in the face of the developer when I go, oh yeah, this game has like microphone screaming controls. Can we try that? <laughs> because the developer who made this game is apparently really self-conscious. We were on the Gamescom show floor and there were like interviews and like meetings with business people around. Oh no. And I was like, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to check this out. So he very sheepishly was like, ah, ah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is a, this is adorable. This is the this is the best way to play this game with the shy screaming man. That's my issue with with games like that because there've been some other games where you can use voice commands or noises. I'm too self conscious. Even if I'm in the house on my own, I'm too self conscious to do it. I don't see myself actually using that method in in my own home. No. But even just doing it with a controller, it's just a silly, goofy, fun game. It it kind of reminded me of like um Octodad sort of thing where it's just. Everything's a little bit hard to control and everything looks a little ridiculous that's going on. Yeah. And just sort of have a silly time. I mean, the concept is fantastic. Yeah, so that's 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 one that I got very excited about. Here's the thing. You know Supermarket Sweep, right? Yeah. Where, obviously, they're basing the name of this off that. Supermarket Sweep, for any listeners who don't know, are basically a game show that takes place in a studio supermarket. They run around with a trolley grabbing stuff, right? Who do you associate with that? Dale Winton? Dale Winton, right? Yeah, yeah. I come to this country, got their own supermarket sweep, hosted by some guy, right? So there's an entire country that knows supermarket sweep, but doesn't associate it with Dale Winton. And every time I see that, that blows my mind and upsets me. Oh, I don't like that. That's uncomfortable and weird. No, it's, it's perverse is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so other things I got to see, uh, you know, Until Dawn, Yeah. Uh, the people that made that are making a bunch of like smaller horror games. Oh, yeah. How do you pronounce that new game they're doing? Uh, Man of Medan. Man of Medan, right. Man of Medan. Yeah. So I, I, I wasn't sure until I heard it mentioned in an interview with the developers. That sounds like a Sasha Baron Cohen character, Man of Medan. <laughs> That's the thing. It, yeah, it sounded, because I was thinking Medan, but then Man of Medan does whatever a Spider-Man can. Like it's, it just sounds so rhythmic. Yo, it is I, Ali G, and I is here with Man of Medan. Did you two see the finale of Who's America, by the way? No. Oh my goodness. No, I need to watch that whole thing. I have a, have a feeling it will make me too angry if I watch the thing at the moment. Yeah. No, he, he, he convinced three Trump supporters to sodomize a giant dummy of of Donald Trump with dildos. Oh my god. And it's one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen on television. Oh gosh. <laughs> so, anyway, Man of Medan. Uh, so, yeah, basically they're doing they're doing some kind of anthology where I think they're committed so far to doing four games roughly every six months over a couple of years. Very interesting. They're going to be much shorter things. Like, apparently they're targeting about four or five hours. Yeah. Uh, I got to play some of this first one, Man of Medan. If you liked Until Dawn, it's more Until Dawn. Perfect. It's the same. It's it's the same engine. It feels the same to walk around. It's t take away the like cabin up in the woods setting, and instead it's like ooh, scuba diving teens on a on a ghost ship. 
and continue to do Until Dawn. It sounds great. Like, I loved Until Dawn. It's kind of like the Telltale thing, although Telltale have done it so much now, I'm sick of it. I wrote a Inquisition script about that, but I haven't done it yet because I've, I've just so many other things have come up. But I'm kind of bored of that. But for a while, Telltale had this thing where, like, we've got the formula. Now we can plug that into other stuff. Yeah. And Until Dawn, of course, that was out years ago now, so I'm not bored of the formula. Yeah. The idea of horror anthologies make great films, you know, a VHS being the most... Uh, Probably one of the best, I would say. Um, so that's great. Yeah, sitting down for one four or five hour sitting twice a year is like, that doesn't seem like burnout amounts to me. No, not at all. Like, they've got a plan of, like, how many we're going to do and when we're going to do them. That's good. Yeah, the, the level of polish very much feels like, oh, this is just more Until Dawn. And that's exa- that's all I wanted to know out of that was, yeah. it's Until Dawn on a ghost ship. Some kids go diving, they find a ghost ship. Ah, they're on a ghost ship, it's scary. I kind of want to play Until Dawn again. Yeah, I've been thinking that recently. I might wait until Halloween gets a bit closer and have a nice Halloween-y playthrough. Yeah, not a bad idea. I'd love to see one of those type of games just without the horror. Like, kind of like... Somewhere between that and Life is Strange. You never get a romantic comedy. You never get a video game. I mean, I guess you get visual novels and, and stuff like that. Not that I don't love violent video games, but I would love one that's like that, but one that has just a story about literally anything else for once. Uh, I might have something for you on that, Gav. Yeah. So the people who make Life is Strange are making another thing that's not Life is Strange. Oh, cool. Called Twin Mirror. Mm-hmm. And it is... Basically, a kind of arseholeish guy uh, gets uh, proposes to someone and gets rejected, and he basically just ghosts on everyone in his life and bails on his hometown and then has to come back there. Oh. And is like, ah, I'm going to go solve some detective mysteries and also have to deal with all the people that I just, like, fucking abandoned and, like, did not tell I was going. Nice. Uh, it seems like an interesting detective thing. Uh, the main character seems interestingly written. Um... The big issue I had with the demo is that the demo was incredibly handholdy in weird ways, which I have been assured by the developers is not the case in the full game, but I can only go off what I played. The demo I played, I was trying to work out what had happened in a in a hotel room, and very clearly the big clue to investigate was there is a shirt covered in blood in the sink. I had to go and interact with a lot of clues that were not the shirt covered in blood in the sink before I could inspect the shirt covered in blood in the sink. Oh, that's silly. Oh, yeah, no, that's not. Apparently that is just because it's a demo and they're trying to get people to be like, no, get get, get used to this. That pissed me off in Detroit as well. There was some, uh, there was an investigation and there was a thing I really wanted to look at and use and it wouldn't, there was no prompt. And then it was only when I finished all the other stuff that it let me, uh, yeah. Oh, maybe I should look at this. It's like, what the fuck kind of detective are you, Connor? Apparently, like, they say that the main game will be, like, very much not like that. You'll be able to just jump straight to the clue that you want to investigate. But obviously, that's not what I played at Gamescom, so. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, probably don't put that in your preview builds because it'll give a bad first impression. Yeah. It's really annoying when games insult your intelligence like that. Yeah. That's the thing. I I wasn't keen on that, but at the very least, like, I'm up for another... that kind of choice-based narrative game that is, from the looks of it, trying to put itself somewhere between Life is Strange and Until Dawn. That's not horror, but it's not teenage girls doing photography. Yeah. Cool. So, like, that, that might be one to watch out for. I don't know really yeah still though looking forward to that man and madame i love horror i've been going through a lot of it i'm tired of trying to think of words for songs that are other ways of saying violence kill death (laughs) (laughs) have you i've used every fucking variation that i can use for those words at this point (laughs) Uh, i've rattled off a bunch of things i saw did either of you play anything this week you want to chat about there no i played played a little bit of dead cells oh yeah it wasn't for me it was too difficult for me. I didn't like it. I, I can see it's objectively really, really good, but it was just too hard for me. Were you, were you getting stuck on that first level? I got stuck on the first boss and I got pissed off and quit. Oh, yeah. The concierge takes a while. I'm at that point now where he, I, I can get through him fairly, you know, fairly fast free. I wouldn't have minded if I didn't have to start the whole fucking game again every time he kills me. That really bugged me. <laughs> It didn't bother me too much because I felt like I was still earning progress towards, like, 
long-term unlocks. Yeah. But the the concierge, when I whenever I turn up to him now, I literally just turn up with like, here's two traps that like fire things. Yeah, the turrets, yeah. That'll stun you for a second. I'll do a bunch of dodging and I'll probably throw my ice blast at you to like stun you and keep you from moving away. Yeah, if I got two turrets, great. If I've got one turret, I'll try and get the, the wolf trap. Oh yeah. Um, Because then you can roll behind him and while on him a couple times. I have like a favourite loadout in that game at the moment, which is uh, Blood Sword. Uh, freezy, like frozen Hadouken that freezes them, and then two firing traps is like how I like to play that game. Nice. I go full purple. Oh. I'll go full purple if I can. Like the the whip, the electric whip. Yeah. Um, any arrows will do. Any range thing will do. And then two turrets. That's my favorite build. I I don't like the range stuff. I like rolling in fast, freezing, mm-hmm. getting the attacks in that like do a stun and kill them before they have a chance to do anything. I mean, yeah, that's that's good stuff too. Yeah. Um, you know, if I have to work with it, I'll like I, I like the rapier a lot. The the one that gives you the bonus if you roll. I have enjoyed working with with range stuff. Like there's a there's a crossbow that's almost like a shotgun that I really enjoy. Oh yeah. Yeah, that sort of shotgun crossbow is good. Yeah. Um, I like the little daggers as well, the ones that cause bleed with each hit that you can stack. Yeah. Um, that's pretty fun, just making them bleed out from a distance. Oh, I like the thrown fire projectile that can stack flame as well. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm getting really into that game at the moment. It's, it has... It has well and truly taken the place of Binding of Isaac in my, like, what I'm playing. I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, you played anything, Jim? Yeah, I got a game that's right up your alley, Laura. What's 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 the game that's up me alley? Donut County. Okay. If you've not played it yet, you will love. I guarantee you will love Donut County. All I saw is I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw some site go. Oh, it's a bit shallow though. Mm. I think it's about in a bottomless pit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's got some similarities to Katamari Damacy in terms of structure. So you're a little hole. Um, basically, this raccoon runs a donut shop, and when people order a donut through an app, they instead get the hole. So the hole appears, and you control the hole and move it underneath things, and things fall in. Um, the more stuff falls in, the bigger the hole gets, uh, and that's about it. That's it, gameplay-wise. Um, but they throw in little puzzles. So if you swallow a campfire, and then you swallow a piece of coal a big fire will burst out of the hole and you can put that under trees and things will fall off the trees and you can swallow them. Um, Later on, you get a catapult so you can fire things out of the hole again, which opens up more opportunities for things to do. Or you could swallow a snake, um, the cool snake, and the snake's tail will stick out the hole and you can use that to hit things. But that's about it. For the most part, you are just moving a hole around. But it's such a fun game. It's it's laid back. It's not hugely challenging. Um, you you don't get stumped so much as you think. Okay, well, what I need to get this thing. Uh, how do I do? Oh, that thing does a thing. Right, let's do that. Um, it's very casual and and like I say, like laid back, very chill. Uh, and it's backed up by just being fucking funny. It's so stupid the humor, but in that absurd, silly. Um, I describe it in a video I've got coming up as effortlessly charming. Like, it makes being adorable and dorky look so easy. Uh, and it carries it off really well. Um, in between uh, levels, uh, you see all of the citizens of Donut County under the ground with the raccoon that put them there. And they tell, they take turns telling a story of how they ended up getting swallowed by the hole. Uh, meanwhile, BK the raccoon... A bit like Bender from Futurama just refuses to admit that he's done anything wrong here. Uh, and and his denials uh, are just wonderful. And his interactions with Mira, who's a, a girl who's his friend. And they give each other shit, but in that sort of... Just that fun-loving way. It's very gentle, the humour, but it does involve selfish characters. Um, mm. Being dicks to each other, but like low-key dicks. Uh, and it's it's just lovely. It's just a lovely little game. And the real star of the show is the Trashopedia, which you can go through after every level, and it describes the items that you've swallowed um, <laughs> according to the raccoon. So it'll be something like Cool Snake, and the write-up will be Living Spaghetti with the Capacity for Hate. <laughs> or it'll describe tyres as gloves for your car. 
Um, just the way he sees the world with all of these trashy items that mean nothing to him. So he'll just write them off as, as garbage and rubbish. He describes bees as uh, very hyper and they like to kiss their mum's butts. Um, just a great little game. Great little game. It's like less than two hours long, but you know, if, if you're someone who judges games by length, as I know some people are, then you won't want this. But for me, for the money, I was like, yeah, I had a great time with this and I'm glad I, I played it. For me, that actively sells me on the game more, knowing that I can probably get through it in a single sitting. Yeah. I've just pulled up a trailer and it looks adorable and I think this might have to be on my two to check out list this week. I really think you will dig it. I think it's... Ex- I, I was playing it and as soon as I started playing it, I was like, you know what? I need to tell Laura about this because she is gonna love it. Oh, I'm glad that you think about me when you're playing games sometimes, Jim. It makes me feel special. Oh. oh. Uh, you played anything else this week? Uh, I played The Messenger, Devolver Digital uh, published game. Uh, side-scroller with uh, very obvious uh, inspirations from games like Ninja Gaiden, um, like the old NES. Yeah. It's got that style. It's a, it's another retro platformer, uh, but it's a very tight one, very uh, like cleverly done mechanic-wise, um, great combat, very challenging. Uh, the biggest downside is the humour, which is cringeworthy and a bit too self-referential like some self-reference is good you know i like deadpool as much as the next person but it just gets very quickly like i get it you're an indie game and you're inspired by retro things i get the joke um plus you know we mentioned you mentioned the cyberpunk thing earlier there is a joke that's a play on the whole did you assume my gender thing um which is just can we not with that? It's so tired and yeah. unoriginal and unfunny. And you know, that's before we get to the alienation of aspect of it. Yeah. I'll, I'll just put it out there as like the trans person on the show. That joke, like it's, it's just a really lazy joke that's based in nothing because like, that's not a thing that any trans person has ever said in response to being misgendered. Usually we go, and try and get out of that situation as quietly and unobtrusively as possible because people are scary and like it's it's not always safe to to go oh did you see my gender that's not a thing that happens Mm. it's a lazy low-hanging fruit joke and it's just really fucking shitty and it's like the way this one was positioned in the game i don't think the developer quite understands like what even the joke was i think a lot of people don't they just hear it and think ah ha 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 um but even even on top of that like it is lazy and unfunny and dreary um and that just compounds the the problem with the messenger's humor is that it is all just a bit uncreative which is a shame because the game itself um you know, as, as obviously inspired by retro stuff as it is, um, is, is quite creative. It, it takes old ideas and makes them feel new. It has a great soundtrack and really cleverly done boss fights uh, that are a little bit obtuse when you first see them. You need to, like... Like, it's very unlikely you will meet a boss and beat it first time just because the patterns take some getting used to the, to the point where you got to take some hits to even work out why you're getting hit sometimes. But they always keep a little save point right near the boss and don't penalise you for dying to a boss so you can go back and try again. Because um, you do get penalised if you die anywhere else. A little thing, or like a little devil thing, will resurrect you and collect the currency, the, the stuff you collect to, to buy upgrades. Uh, until it's satisfied a price and then will leave you. So you do get a, you get punished for dying and going back to a checkpoint. Although with some of these tricky devils, going back to the checkpoint is punishment enough. But um, yeah, it's a good game. It's a good game. Uh, I got a little bit frustrated with it um, in some of the later levels, but uh, I think a lot of people really dig it. It's just the story and the humour is the, the letdown because all of it is a bit too, you know... We know what we are. <laughs> Which is fine. You know, self-deprecation is great, but if you do it too much, you start to look less like you're poking fun at yourself and more like you're genuinely self-conscious Yeah. Uh, about what you're doing. Like someone, um, I tweeted about the humour and someone replied with, you know, uh, 
indie games should just be confident in being indie games because uh, some of them do feel a little bit like they're apologizing they they're making jokes but it feels like they're saying sorry for what they are is that you don't have to be sorry for what you are if someone's playing a retro ninja gaiden inspired platformer that's probably what they want yeah that's that's a fair assessment uh other stuff i played this week i finished playing through okami on the uh, on the switch and yeah you were right with what you said a couple of weeks ago gav the whole refight all of the bosses again thing right at the end is not great. It's a pain in the bum, isn't it? Especially especially when you've had to fight the Oroki twice already. Or was it the Oroki? Is that what it's called? Yeah, o- Orochi. I, I, I could have done with fight... I could have been okay fighting that twice. Three times was a bit too much. It's a bit much, yeah. Yeah, it's just needless padding at the end. But I still really enjoyed that game. Like, I think the game overall was really fun. I loved that final boss fight. It was like, very creative. I'm I'm very glad I went back and redid it. What was the uh Oh yes, I just remembered the one the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking Orochi was it wasn't Orochi, was it? It was a different uh... No, the the one with multiple forms at the end. That game was just one of those like I the word magical gets used a lot about things as a as a hyperbolic descriptive but yeah okami really is magical it's not perfect by any means like its biggest issue is repetition of content to pad out its runtime um like there is a mini game where you have to dig down underground to find the source of some water to do a thing oh god yeah that you have to do maybe five or six times uh there is Ah, here your progression is blocked by a wall where you have to tap the the points on it to to break the wall, and it does that a few too many times. There's a couple of things that it maybe does more times than it it probably should have done, and it could have trimmed maybe five hours off its runtime, and I wouldn't have missed it. And it could have done that and still been a long game. Yeah, I remember it took me about maybe thirty five hours to finish it the first time. My playthrough just took me my my recent playthrough took me thirty hours. So like this could have been a twenty five hour game and felt a lot less padded. It's so funny whenever I say a game took me a certain amount of time, everyone else is like, "How?" It's always shorter. I think it's just because I spend so much time just looking at things, farting around. <laughs> no, that's to- that's totally that's totally fair. Um, but yeah, like I I have problems with its repetition, but when it's when it's being creative, mm. magical is a really good word for it. It it is just something very special when it's when it's throwing new things at you. Plus, yes, you can definitely skip through all the text now, Gav. So if you want to replay it, you can just hit start to skip through the text. That's awesome. That that was the biggest thing the game ever needed was a, a, a skip text button. Yeah. yeah. I started playing it on the Switch again, and uh, I couldn't believe what the runtime said when I got to the first save point. I was like, most of that was cutscene. What is this, Metal Gear Solid? This is what me and Gav were saying a couple of weeks ago. It's... It's opening couple of hours are very here is dialogue. <laughs> it opens up a lot beyond there, but it does start very Uh yeah. I'm trying to think what else there was uh, I got a chance to play this week. Uh I played some of Starlink, that that Ubisoft uh Toys to Life spaceship game that they showed off at E3. Oh yeah, that weird thing. How does that play? Is it better than Star Fox fucking Zero? <laughs> okay, so there's two parts to, to me talking about this. So first of all, I, I played it on the show on, on the show floor on Nintendo's booth and I was given a Switch, uh, a pair of Joy-Cons slotted into a Joy-Con grip that had like a two inch high stand on it and then the ship was on top of the stand on top of my controller and playing it like that I was like, this is a well-made ship model. It clips together well. It feels nice and secure. It's it's lightweight. I wouldn't be ashamed to have this on my desk. It's a nice-looking model. The game felt felt very very good. It was a good like you know Star Fox repl- replication sort of type game for the Switch, where it's like ah, oh, it's, it's basically Star Fox on Switch, but but better than Zero. The problem I had was. It felt really fucking uncomfortable to use the controller because I had to like wedge my thumbs into a narrow gap to reach the buttons because there was a ship two inches above my controller. Hmm. It wasn't comfortable to play. So I was just there like, I, I ha- there's a good video game here and these ship models are good. I don't want to play 
the good video game with the good shit model on top of my controller. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. So I ended up being <laughs> my my write up got seen by Ubisoft, and they were like, "Do you want to do you want to come see it at our uh, business area booth uh, where where it's you know you can play it without the toys attached?" And I was like, "Oh, huh." So you can totally play this game without the Toys to Life ships attached. Like, to the point, and I hadn't realised this, that you can just buy it digitally with no toys and play it fine. Interesting. Uh, and yeah, it's a very competent space shooter. It, uh, it's it got the whole, like, you're in the big grandness of space, pick a planet, fly down to the surface, no loading screen. But when you get down to the surface, rather than, like, No Man's Sky getting out your ship and collecting resources, it's like, oh, there's actual things to fight here. Let's do a quest and go... F- shoot some some aliens on an alien planet and then fly away to go find somewhere else. That's good. That has my attention more than Mario and Rabbids did, just because I'm not a, a big strategy guy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm interested. And I like the Toys to Life concept still. I just got very bored of Amiibo once they you know, got hard to find. Yeah. And I had the patience for that. How did that Nintendo cardboard box thing work out in the end? Did people stick with it or did it kind of, was it, they got bored with it after five minutes. So they've got another one coming out. They've got another one coming out in like two weeks that's a bunch of things to do with vehicles. Um, I cannot say what I think about that currently. Uh, maybe in a couple of weeks I will be able to. Um, but they, they've done some weird interesting things with like the, the, the early Labo stuff they brought out. You can currently use the like the remote con- the, the, the motorbike that you build out of cardboard can be used as a Mario Kart controller. And it's surprisingly fun to play Mario Kart with this very, like, good throttle setup and Mm -hmm. set of motorbike handlebars. Like, they've done weird stuff where they've, like, tied in support to other games with those Labo products. Like, I don't think any of them are enough, enough value to say, yes, you should buy Labo for these things. If you already have it, they're, they're, they're finding things to do with it. What is it with Nintendo and funny names? Every every time I hear Labo, I think it sounds like the Italian for labia. Yeah. She had the, she had the most beautiful Labo. I still think of Gabo from The Simpsons. Every time it's said, I, w- I want to go, Look, Smithers, Labo is coming. <laughs> and that's all I think of. Labo, Labo, Labo! <laughs> um, I'm glad the cardboard's still doing well. Yeah. Um, I definitely haven't been building some more of that Nintendo cardboard today, no sorry. Can we please have that as the episode title? I'm glad the cardboard is still doing well. <laughs> I'll try and remember that. Yeah, I'll try and remember. I'll make a note of it, actually, because I always forget what I'm going to name them the next day when I post it. That's that's one of those out-of-context podquisition quotes that is just wonderful. Yeah, but no, like, playing, getting to play with the, the R-Wing from Star Fox... In a in a, in in a game that wasn't Star Fox Zero, I was like, I'm having a lot of fun flying around space shooting shit. It feels fun. I'm glad I don't have to physically have a toy on top of my controller while I do it. Well, yeah, that's good. Because yeah, everything about it looks like it might be good, but I I couldn't I couldn't imagine wanting to play it with a toy hanging off the fucking thing. No, I it was lightweight enough that it wasn't adding any we- any real weight to the controller, but it just. It just felt uncomfortable to wedge my thumbs round to the buttons. Sure, yeah. To get to the buttons properly, which, like, I don't want a video game that its peripheral makes it less comfortable to play. It's an obstruction, yeah, regardless, so... Yeah. No, no obstruction. No obstruction. Uh, oh, I got to play a bit of Dark Souls on the Switch in handheld mode. Ooh. Oh, cool. That runs really nicely in handheld mode. I just, I want this port already so I can replay Dark Souls. Yeah, what's that, October now we're looking at? I think so. It's like two months or something, but like, it runs really well in handheld mode. I'll totally replay that game. Did you happen to see any Assassin's Creed Odyssey over in Gamescom? Uh, no, it's one of the few things I did not get around to. Um, I I was told that I, I was told that the demo there involved the island of Lesbos. Cool. So... Of course, I'm a fan, uh, <laughs> but I did not get to see it. But I've heard very positive things. Cure. Yeah, it's an Assassin's Creed game. Do you need a preview? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it won't be good. I'm just saying, like, I couldn't imagine ever wanting, like, needing to see it early because I know what I'm gonna get. Here's the thing I'm curious about. I saw mentioned somewhere that apparently, like, you have the option to not be an assassin. I don't know how that works. 
I'm curious about that. Oh, God, does that mean you have to play as Creed? (laughs) (laughs) Everything is permitted. (laughs) Except assassinations. By Jesus. Everything is permitted by God. Jim, you played another thing. You played Strange Brigade this week. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting it. That's that's what an impression that game made on me, is I keep forgetting I played it. Um, yeah, I had it pre-release. I had it before it came out, so I've, I've only managed to get a game with one other person going so far. And I can only imagine that game gets somewhat more fun with a full deck, like all four players, because on your own... Ugh, it's it's all right. It's a third-person shooter, but on your own, my god, it's a slog. I played a little bit of it at a preview event, and it like it played well enough. It was like it it controlled well and everything. My my big question that if you've played the actual game, you might know. How is the whole like British colonialism dealt with? Uh it's not. They they kind of you know they they make it clear that you're fighting zombies and stuff. Um, but at a glance, it definitely looks a little bit imperial. <laughs> yeah, because at a glance, it does look a little bit, hey, we're very 1920s British people going to one of those ca- countries full of people who are not like us to go shoot them. I mean, one thing they they do to step around that is um, only one of them is a proper, like, 1920s action serial kind of colonial-y guy. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the characters is um, from Africa... And one of the characters is, uh, God, I can't remember where she's from, but Northern England, I think. Um, and the other one is, the other one is English, but he's a very studious bookish one. So he's not very into the gung-ho stuff. The only real um, character, I guess we could call them, that, that really leans into that is the narrator. Um, you know, every time a new enemy comes up, you'll hear the voice of just, Good gracious, Strange Brigade! What is this nefarious ne'er-do-well? They love alliteration. They're really good at it. Um, and, you know, it's it's cute. It's it's cute um, with all of that stuff. Um, and it doesn't try and, and tackle anything deeper than that, than just a, a very surface-level callback to old adventure serials. And... Really, the, the one main issue with the game is the kickback on the weaponry. Uh, you know, I suffer from migraines anyway, and my fucking hell. Do not make the screen wobble that much. Like, have kickback in a, in, on a gun if you must, but not to the point where the screen is like, you know, I might as well have put a fucking vibrator underneath the monitor. Um, I don't need it shaking that much. Uh, but otherwise, it's all right. It's okay. It's a very competent shooter, and it does that decently enough. August seems to be the time of year for a uh, competent enough release in genre. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of that summer thing. Uh, people used to call it a summer drought, but you know we get so many games now, you couldn't call any season a drought for games. Um, but yeah, summer is where they just throw out action games and just be like, you know, r- relatively bog standard action fare. Um, for the most part, um, and then we're we're heading into September, which is of course when the uh, the Embergedens start kicking in. Yeah, September, October, November, where just too many quality-looking games are coming out. Although again, my eye is to almost the exclusion of everything else right now. I'm just I only know or care about the Spider Man right now. <laughs> The Spider-Man does look very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for the Spider-Man. I want to see Spider-Punk. Spider-Punk would be great. I want the two games to mix together in a, in, a, in, a, in Cyberpunk, but you have, like, webs that you can sling and a cool team song. They've got a Spider-Man from the future. Um, I forget which one it is, but you know, obviously they've got about 58 different versions of every superhero they have for all the different universes and timelines. But yeah, like, get the future one. Spider-punk, spider-punk, slings a web out of his junk. Wow, that's that's quite punk. Yeah. It doesn't get more punk than shooting spider webs out your cock. <laughs> that, that, now, there is an implant cyberpunk needs to have that you can shoot webs out your, out your junk. I, I would play that. I'm not going to lie, I would play that. <laughs> 
Uh, I played a bit of Smash, uh, the new Smash Brothers at Gamescom. Oh, well, it was everyone there. Everyone was there. Actually, not Whoa. the whole roster. No, not the whole roster was there. Not everyone was there. <gasps> Is that the game that Luigi got murdered in? Yeah, Luigi straight up fucking died. Uh, there's a running theory that like one of the game modes is about Nintendo characters just getting straight up fucking murdered. Because <laughs> the reveal trailer for Ridley... Both Mario and Mega Man got stabbed through the head by Ridley's tail and were, like, fucking killed. Luigi got killed by the Grim Reaper. Nintendo's going hardcore. Nintendo's cast are being fucking murdered. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate will be known as the Red Wedding of Nintendo. <laughs> uh, it... Here's the thing. I played some of it. Ridley... Ridley has an interesting set of mechanics. It's more Smash Brothers. If you already like Smash Brothers, this is more of it. If you don't like Smash Brothers, this isn't going to win you over. It's the only fighting game I genuinely get into because it's genius. It is genius design. It is a game that almost anyone could get into and play and have fun with, and yet is capable of that extreme end professional level play. It's so versatile. So one thing that was really nice about playing it is that they do seem to be leaning into... Not pressuring you into playing more professionally, but making tweaks that make it easier for casual players to start understanding how to play ga fighting games better. So, like, they changed the order of whether you when you select the character in the stage round, so you pick the stage first now, which is just, like, an easy way to get people to go, oh, it's a stage with lots of holes, I won't pick Little Mac, who's not good at jumping. Gotcha. It makes you pick your characters based on the stage once you know it. There's stuff like, when you get knocked off screen, normally there's a bit of a boundary before you're considered, like, out. And you just kind of have to feel that, that off-screen room. Now you get two little rectangles that show up and a little dot that shows, like, okay, you're off-screen, but, like, here's where the actual you'll get knocked out boundary is. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of, like, small, unobtrusive things that casual players are not gonna notice that are just really nice little tweaks towards, like, hey... Maybe this will help you play a bit better. Interesting. I like that. That ain't bad. Yeah, it, I, I'm excited to see if there's any more things like that. I wonder if some of the like elitist uh, fighting game people will find that upsetting. Oh, I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, you need an on-screen indicator to know when uh, when you're actually at the actual out of bounds. <laughs> you don't play the way I play. <laughs> It's more information to the player if it's useful to them in an unobstru unobtrusive way, which I was like, yeah, that, that's good. Feels really satisfying to hit people with Ridley's tail and everything slows down, so like, yeah. Nice. And I saw some Life is Strange too. How's that? Sebastian Brothers in it. It's just two brothers. Having a time, doing a thing, because they're brothers. <laughs> um, Yeah, it, the, the story this time seems to be... Older brother and younger brother. Uh, parent gets shot by the police for some reason, and superpowers go off without that being a thing that was meant to happen, and a cop dies. And the two kids basically going, Oh shit, we killed a cop. There's probably body cam footage that superpowers happened. Guess it's time for a fucking road trip. And it's just teenager who's clearly not ready to be a like an adult, and very small child, trying to make it to Mexico. Interesting. I wonder if anyone will call this one Tumblr the game, now that there isn't a girl in it. They, which seemed to be the basis on which people called it Tumblr the game. It's, it's about two boys, so probably not. Yeah, I would imagine not. Yeah, it, it had less of the the teenage go-fuck-yourselfie dialogue, at least in the demo that was shown off. Uh, right. I, I'm intrigued by it. I, I like the idea of the, the mechanic, between like the, the relationship between these two. It's very clearly like... You're going to have to make moral choices as the older brother, and then the younger child is then going to, without you saying so, make their own choices based on the choices you made and trying to follow what you did. So, like, I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. I still need to go back and play The Rest of Life is Strange. I. It's terrible, and I love it. <laughs> I love that terrible series. Yeah, we got anything else or is that us? I think that's about us. That's about it. This is about wrapped up, in it? That's about it. I think that's about it. That's about it. I, uh, yeah. 
nothing else exciting that I played. I played some other ones, but they're all a bit, nah, not really worth bringing up. We're all sounded a bit tired. I think we've worn ourselves out with such a great podcast, what we do. We talked about so many video games. When this comes out tomorrow, it will be one day until the release of Divinity 2 uh, on consoles. Oh. And I'm telling y'all, go and get that game. because It is... So fucking good. Is that going to be you all week next week, Gav, is it? Just Divinity Divinity. Funny enough, me all week is uh, the Divinity 2 song, which uh, Larry and and the developers were very kind enough to record a lot of cinematic footage for me because the game doesn't have a lot of HUD... Hard free stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they're really cool. They're very community oriented. Oh yeah, yeah. I did a live stream with them once. Um, funnily enough, playing Divinity Two with them, and uh, yeah, they're great. Great, uh, very friendly people. Well, that that was lovely of them. So yawn and play play that game. Yeah, I might have to give it another good go. Yeah, put it on easy though because it it's very hard. <laughs> like really, really fucking hard. Span and unless you like. Unless you're an expert in turn-based combat who absolutely adores it, I would I would suggest playing it on easy mode. Yeah. So can you switch difficulties throughout? I think so. And I think the special edition that's coming out, the one that's being released, I think it has an even easier story mode. Interesting. If you can bump it up and down, then that would be a big selling point for me. Because even on easy, I found some of the fights pretty challenging, but I, that's because I'm absolutely useless at turn-based combat. So. Where I am. Okay, I'll keep that in mind, but yeah, I'll probably have to have a look at it. Like, I mean, all I need to say to you two is you can shag a skeleton. I mean, that is always the important (laughs) bit that comes up. That might be game of the year. Can I date the skeleton before I fuck them, or is it just a straight fucking relationship? Yes. Oh, okay. And you you can keep dating the skeleton after you fuck. (gasps) Okay, okay, this has just replaced Undertale, best game of all time. (laughs) Plus... Plus, the skeleton can put on a mask and turn into a lizard. Well, why would I want them to turn into a lizard? They're already the best thing. A skeleton. <laughs> a, yeah, but it's a skeleton lizard. Oh, mm, okay. That that changes things. Mm, this changes everything. <laughs> this changes everything. Everyone is here. What's a furry who likes lizards? A scaly? Uh, a scaly, I believe, is the term. Really? That's a thing? Yeah, yeah. I believe it's a term, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. But if you do like to fuck skeletons, you're a skelly. A skelly, ah. Uh. Oh, oh. Well, consider me skellied. A ska- you're a, ska- a scaly skelly. <laughs> a scaly skelly, yeah. A scaly. Scaly. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fuck your that fantasies, skeleton. All of your fantasies can be achieved in Divinity 2. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going to fuck the lizard skeleton. <laughs> I'm going to bone them bones. Brilliant. Okay, well. While people are waiting to have sordid sexual intercourse with skeletons, <gasps> uh, where can they find out all of the great work and the Gamescom stuff you've been doing, Laura? You can find me and my stuff at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Laura K Buzz on YouTube, Laura K Buzz on Twitch. You can find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. If you search Gamescom Kotaku UK 2018, you'll probably find the big master post where we linked to all of the things I wrote during that week. Uh, you can find me on Dice Funk, which is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons real play podcast. Uh, we're just wrapping up our 4th season. Each season's a self-contained story. I'm in seasons 3 and 4, so go listen to those. Uh, I'm on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is a podcast I do with Jane Magnet, where we do silly voices and skits and just try and make each other laugh a bit. And I've got a couple of books in the works. Uh, it's more than one now. Uh, the, the, the sort of memoir serious book is like, very much underway. All of the, the legal things are being done that there's probably going to be a very silly book announced in the next month as well. So, doing all the books. Brilliant. Um, prolific. Prolific author. That's what we're going to have to start calling you soon. Um, and Gavin, already prolific, but in the world of music. I'm, I'm getting worse at leading into these things just keep using the kind of a pop star i think that i think everyone likes that one <laughs> kind of a pop star yeah you are you're kind of a pop star and um where can people hear your great popular musics my popular musics you can find it on youtube under miracle of sound where there will be two new songs coming in the next week there is a fun little country song uh inspired by fallout 76 which is a collaboration with jt music which i taught myself the banjo for and there is also a Divinity 2 song coming, which is a seven minute long symphonic metal epic and it has Carly Ann on vocals. So that's going to be awesome as well. 
and you can find me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound. But like I said, I'm rarely on it these days, only posting silly things. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Patreon if you want to help me pay the bills at Miracle of Sound as well. And if you want to chat to me in my Discord, you can become a $2 tier uh, Patreon patron. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and as for me you know where my shit is and uh, we'll see you later that'll do <laughs> we'll see you next time goodbye bye, bye.